the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, folks, at 106, good afternoon. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, which is dipietro.com. It is 106. It is Wednesday. It is March 2nd. This portion of the program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery. And, folks, they are so terrific. I want to thank them. David, everybody over there, uh, they're so supportive of uh, the efforts of our show. And um, I can't wait to return I don't know when it's going to be, but return from the border of Ukraine. And, folks, that's next week. And I'm going to sit out with uh, David and have a nice drink and a meal right there at the Lodge Pub and Eatery 40, Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. You know what I like is the staff is so friendly and welcoming. And you go in and they just it's all about they set up such a comfortable atmosphere. It's 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 great to be around people that love where they work. And when I go to the Lodge Pub and Eatery, and by the way, it's the same for the, the folks at Keys. You can tell they, they enjoy working there. And there is a difference. You know, there just is other places that you may go. So special shout out to them. Again, folks, the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. So I want to bring you up to speed on the latest. And what I think was helpful about the guest we had last hour um, is I think some people will learn in time over time. That this has been in the works for a very long time. And I think, um, again, he is an expert. He's got a Ph.D. in political science. Um, I heard Ted Cruz say, and I mentioned that, this is all because of Biden and the pipeline. I, I I don't believe that. And history tells us, I don't think Ted Cruz believes that. Listen, I get the partisan politics. And... Yes, we're, we're in a bind right now in the country. Without question, we are. Um, right now, there's over 870,000 Ukrainians have fled the, the country. That, that, is, that is just so terrible. And I hope some people start to realize that this is about a killer madman. And maybe people are not going to realize it. I, I'm, I'm not going to try to convince you. Um, if you want to think... That Putin is a friend of the United States or, you know, as I've said, not only, but some people, I, I think you're going to be embarrassed. I, if you have a shred of decency, you will be people that have said, you know, I, I prefer Putin to Biden. I, if anyone that says that, you clearly are unfamiliar in my mind in, in world events. There's, there's really no other explanation for it because he doesn't just kill a few people. He's killed a lot of people. Um, there are some people that I don't know where they get their information from. The people I'm going to do my own research, but this is a stone cold killer. Does it does it mean anything that he is willing to kill all these innocent people? And I, I've heard a lot. Of it. I'm not going to dwell on it. Next week, folks, we will be coming to you from the Ukraine border. I'm going to. I will put the microphone out, and with the help of Jeff Gamach, and I will will talk to now. There's there's military there. There's the NATO troops right there. There's, you know, I we, we're going to start off. I'm going to start off in Poland, and then we'll see what happens. Uh, you heard the guest we have say that he thinks that 
that Russia is going to move into western Ukraine, which that borders Poland. You have NATO troops there. I will let you hear directly from people from Ukraine, people going to fight in Ukraine. Uh, There's obviously all different types of military. There's also all different types of experts. We're going to give you, and you're going to love, I think, um, if everything goes according to plan, the live stream images that we're going to be able to carry. So it's um, it's quite a venture. We wouldn't be able to do it without the support of so many terrific supporters and advertisers. And so we're going to bring it to you folks. And I don't, I don't have, I don't know. I don't know when a return date is. We don't know. Uh, this thing seems to be going from bad to worse. You're starting to also see that somehow, maybe, the, I don't know, they, maybe they should have made an emergency of putting... Um, oh, I'm actually uh, putting where they should have just made Ukraine a member of NATO. And, and keep in mind, remember, Putin did not want them to become part of NATO um, because then if NATO is attack one, attack all. But I'll, I'll just tell you, listen, N- NATO is not the aggressor here. And NATO is not meeting secretly with the Chinese. This is China and Russia. But listen, make no mistake about it. You're listening to me right now at 111. You want to wonder what the ultimate goal is? And I'm glad the professor said that. What's the, the doctor actually? The target? You want to know the real target, the end game? Look in the mirror. Putin despises the United States. Since when? Because of Biden. Because of Hunter Biden. Wrong. Ready? Because of Reagan. Because of Reagan ending the Soviet Union. Putin, in that rambling speech, he attacks, he attacks Lenin, he attacks Gorbachev, he attacks Stalin, he, he, he attacks all of, he blames all of them for putting them in that situation. Putin has been in power for the past 22 years. He has one mission. He's not a young man. He's been, think of that. We flip every four years, possibly. He's been in power for 22 years years and he wants to go out as the leader of russia two seconds he will kill anyone in his way i wouldn't call him savvy he's certainly not stupid he was a wrestler he has a law degree he's kgb and by the way i don't even think enough of that is even highlighted enough of the 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 that is like um, um, KGB. Think of our West Point. Think of actually of our like a higher level, even CIA. Like it, it KGB is is our top, like elite of the elite. And you know he 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 knows a lot. All right, I want to play some sound. I do want to play some sound on the latest, folks. Again, last night was I surprised that last night? No, I was not surprised at um last night um it you know we we all watched it and and it's it's there's nothing good about it i'll say that but let me go to some of the sound we have starting with this is now a week second week now russia invading Ukraine. Let's go pick it up with um, the Today Show. Situation on the ground in Ukraine. Russia's invasion now entering its second week. And overnight's forces carried out new strikes across the war-torn country. NBC's chief foreign correspondent Richard Engel is standing by in Kiev. Richard, good morning. 
Good morning, Hoda. This is the television tower that was targeted by uh, Russian forces yesterday next to a Holocaust memorial. But apparently the Russian strike missed its main target because the tower is still standing. It is still working as Ukrainian resistance and Russian logistical problems are slowing down Vladimir Putin's advance. Firefighters overnight battled what could be the flames of President Putin's frustration after fresh Russian attacks overnight. Russia has intensified its air and missile assaults as Russian forces lay siege to Ukraine's second city, Kharkiv, what could be a trial run for the capital. Killing, a health official said, more than 20 civilians across the city since yesterday. Ukraine's President Zelensky accused Russia of using brutality against civilians to force him to sign a deal with Moscow, likely for his exit. And the international community is protesting those tactics. 100 diplomats walking out of a speech by Russia's foreign minister at the UN Human Rights Council on Tuesday. As a 40-mile Russian convoy is heading toward Kiev. But its progress is stalled, U.S. officials say, because of a lack of fuel and food. Russian forces are still expected to encircle and attack the capital after Ukrainians said Russia bombed a key television tower and a Holocaust memorial site. In Kiev, we went to Ukraine's biggest hospital for mothers and babies. The cold storage area downstairs, now a ward for fragile patients. Katerina's two daughters, Diana and Sophia, were born at five months. They were in an oxygen chamber together when the Russians started bombing. We had to rush down here as we were hearing the sirens and explosions. She says, look at this place. It's old and rusty, and we don't know how long we'll be here. What about your family? Have you been able to see the rest of your family, or are you just here by yourself? I have a brother who helped me, but he's a soldier and has been activated, so I have nobody else. Oksana's daughter, Nicole, was born with complex needs and requires constant care. How's Nicole? We were giving her a blood transfusion every two weeks. Worse, and she feels worse, Oksana says. How are you feeling? I, I, I have a child myself who has special needs and has extra health issues. And I know how, how powerless you can feel to be a parent with a, with a sick child. It is very hard, she says. We want this war to stop because our kids suffer and we cannot go home. As that Russian convoy slowly makes its way toward Kiev, the mayor of the city today told people to stock up and be prepared to defend their city. And a new development today, Hoda, the Ukrainian military announced that for the first time since this conflict began, its forces have gone on the offensive. All right, Richard Engel, uh, thank you. You know, folks, that is... Um that's pretty dramatic. At 116, it's Wednesday. Good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, dePietro.com. One of our sponsors on the website is the Coesed Inn. Now, I will be uh, landing on the ground in Poland over the weekend. As you know, Poland borders Ukraine. It's also the biggest border crossing. It's also a NATO country. It's also the closest. It's different ways to to uh, different countries border Ukraine, but Poland is a good one. It's pretty uh, civilized. But the Kuisen Inn, they serve actually delicious Polish food. Located 226 Kuisen Avenue, West Warwick. And I want to thank Jim. They're so terrific and they support the program, support our efforts. And I know his wife is from Poland. 
Uh, so, folks, a great meal is waiting for you at the coincidence. So I want to bring you up to speed on everything that is happening. Uh, it would seem universally President Biden. I, I, I mean, I don't think anyone should be shocked. Uh, you know, all the polls say he, he, you know, as we've talked about, he's not even doing well. He's not even doing well with Democrats. Um, he, you know, he, he's vowing to halt Russia. He, he doesn't have a handle on things. President Biden does not have a handle on things on this Ash Wednesday in any way. And this is this is without question. It is it is problematic um, and where this is going to go. And folks, when you see that convoy and just how horrifying it is. And and I think also. um I think as time goes along, people will start to really realize just what how this is about so much more than than just what people think initially think it is. It's it's about so much more than that, because as the guest we had and for those that will take the time in in study, um, Putin has been. And been working towards this for the for the last you know over twenty years, and look what happened. Like under President Bush, he was fearful. He was fearful of President Bush. He watched as we invaded Iraq, and he criticized and said, "Why? Why do the Americans? Why can they? How come they're allowed to invade a country? How come I can't invade a country?" Um. You know, I've talked about in 2006, President Bush was overseas and had to refuel in Russia. And Putin was all excited and wanted to entertain the president of the United States, which was President Bush, 43, George W. Bush. And he was all excited to greet him, a U.S. president at the Kremlin, because that builds builds up his credibility in trying to rebuild the Soviet Union. And President Bush said, no, no, no. If you want to meet, you can come to the hangar where we're going to refuel Air Force One. Putin was furious at that. He went, he met him there, but he was still furious. You know, you know how they also say, and I, this is really important, at 120, folks, as you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM, you know the, I don't know if it's an expression, But they'll say that a lot of people, you can um, judge someone with how they treat. You know, there are some people that are bullies and they're really rude, say, to, uh, you know, a cashier or someone, a waitress or someone kind of, I don't want to say the little people, but kind of like the frontline people. You know, it can be very telling how people treat those types of individuals. It's an insight to their character. I want you to think of this. When when Patriot owner Robert Kraft was visiting, look how glorious this is. He's visiting St. Petersburg. He's visiting Russia. He gets a chance to meet the Russian president. He's anxious. He's wearing his Super Bowl ring. And Putin, he's showing it to Putin. Oh, do you want to try that on? There's Kraft right there. And Putin not only puts it on his finger, but then what did he do? 
boom, walks away. I like that. I like that. I think I'll take it. How many people would do that? Think of the, that's, to me, that is insight. He, he, and I don't think a lot of people, he takes things. He's a gangster. He takes ports. He takes land. He takes money. They kill people. They kill people. As I've said, thank God there's not 10 of them. Um, I was speaking with a friend last night, and I think this does now. I was speaking to a friend that said he thinks in the next 30 days his own people rise up. I have to think, I don't know. I mean, no one, and I don't want to get into predictions, but it would certainly seem to be that he's more protected than that. Um, and John McCain, who I know had his battles with President Trump, but he said, when I look in his eyes, do you remember, it was President Bush that said, I see pure evil when I look in his eyes. I looked into his soul, I see evil. And John McCain said, when I look in his eyes, I see three things, KGB. But there's really interesting stories. When he you know, first got into politics, his time as a KGB officer, watching the collapse of the Soviet Union, he was mortified. He was disgusted with what he was watching. You know, the pride he had in the Soviet Union and watched it collapse and vowed revenge. On top of that, as a young KGB officer, Putin learned how to use power and violence for control. Now, keep in mind, the KGB was the most powerful institution of the Soviet Union. And it was a monopoly that produced violence. People talking about those truckers up in Canada. What were they getting roughed up a little bit, arrested? You want to put things in perspective? Do you have any idea? I don't think people do. And that is, in some ways, a failure of our education system. And even, you know, President Biden last night should have used that as an opportunity to take people through a little history lesson of how we landed where we are. So KGB, the way they operate, it's elite, but sinister, violence, torture, people have no idea. Oh, yeah, the Canadian truckers got a little roughed up. Yeah, take a look at Ukraine and you compare. Putin applied the lessons of the KGB to his job as president. Now, early on, what did he do? He seized control of television. Early on. His former advisor even said he believed, this is Putin now, information is an instrument in an information war. Propaganda. I, I think a lot of people at 124 on this Wednesday don't really fully understand and appreciate propaganda that goes out. Because there's a lot of it. <laughs> and many of you are sending it to me. You know, Arthur, where's this from? All fake. All fake. But he learned the power of that. He absolutely learned using information in a propaganda war. Now, turning point for Putin, Iraq war. With the Iraq war, he grew suspicious of the West and fearful. He also made the connection. That at one point, the regime change that we did with Saddam Hussein, they were going to be coming for him. I repeat that. In his mind, if they're doing that to him today, 
think I could be next. He also watched a series of revolutions, even closer to home, and he always blamed the United States. Always. Let me explain something at 125. He hates you. (laughs) He wants to kill you and your family. Now, his fears were really heightened during the Arab Spring revolutions. He personalized it. He saw what could happen to him, and he blamed the Americans for what he felt was helping with the revolution. A especially shocking moment for Putin was the death of Gaddafi. He dwelled on it, and like I told you, he said, there's no way that's going to be me, right? Paulie in Goodfellas, you know, telling, talking to Henry, I, I don't want it around. You, I don't want anybody to do with that stuff. Okay, Gribbs is going to die in prison. That ain't going to be me. I don't need that. Right? That's he watched Gaddafi and was like, "There's no way I'm dying that way. No, 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 absolutely not." That's what they're going to do. Oh, now they're going to go. Now he skips over the fact that Gaddafi ordered, right, the Pan Am and and all the other terrorist activity that Gaddafi did over the years. But that's how he viewed it. At home initiated a crackdown. Putin critic, you criticize him, boom, poison him. Very high mortality rate. Last several years, anyone that crossed paths with Putin, think of that. People saying, what's the difference, Putin and Biden? If that were the case, President Trump would not be alive. Several people that crossed him are no longer alive. Now, 2014, protests broke out in Ukraine. The Ukrainian people, they didn't want the Putin puppet that they were trying to put in. What did he do? Did he blame himself? Did he say, hey, these people want to run themselves? No. What did he do? 2014, he blamed the U.S. He blamed us. Now, they were always meddling in the elections in Ukraine. And Paul Manafort believed was also meddling. In the camp, in the the campaigns in in Ukraine, Putin was trying to put someone in charge, and the people of Ukraine were like, "No, absolutely not." He blamed us for that. This is more America meddling. He initiated his first attack on Ukraine, seizing Crimea, and then feeding a war in Ukraine's east. And again, these things like break out after Crimea, and this is wildly important, folks. At 128 on this Wednesday. (sighs) Yes, we can blame the Obama administration. Yes, we can blame NATO. Yes, we can blame. It was Joe Biden was vice president at the time. Some inside the Obama administration wanted to push for more forceful response. Did they want control of all of the Ukraine territory? They decided they had to try to deter Russia. They wanted a forceful response. They were trying to block him off. There were people that felt we need to bloody this guy's nose, but there was always a concern about provoking a military confrontation with Russia. One Obama advises that the last thing that we wanted was a full-scale conflict between NATO and Russia, and they were afraid it was going to escalate very quickly. That was in 2014. So instead, what did President Obama do? He imposed sanctions, Made no sense. 
Ukraine was not a NATO member. They certainly didn't want to confront Russia directly. And then there were people in the Obama administration that said as a result of that, he could take land. Putin saw the U.S. response as a sign he could get away with it and escalating. He perceived the United States as weak, feckless, indecisive, slow to respond. That's how he views us and viewed us. And then continued to test the resolve, interfering in the 2016 U.S. election, ramping up the crackdown inside Russia, and he would, and then ordering the invasion in Ukraine. My point is, this has been a long time in the making. This did not have an idea. This was not a matter of, you know, Ted Cruz saying, this is all, like, and I hear from some of this is all Biden's fault. I, I, I just, I don't, I, we're never going to know. I didn't know President Trump, and he makes a very strong argument. He did not invade when President Trump was in office. And maybe if President Trump was president, he could have prevented it. But I, 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 there's other ways, you know, not to get into a cliches, but there's other ways to skin a cat. So he still wanted the land. Maybe there were other ways to get the land. I think, you know, President Trump obviously regarded him as someone that needed to be taken seriously. Someone that you don't want a full confrontation with. But I, I believe that President Trump, President Trump sold Ukraine those tanks that could withstand a missile. President Obama would not do that. President Trump did sell the Ukrainian people. Now, Congress did kind of push it through. But listen, the history is the history. He did not invade on Trump's watch. He knows of Biden. He knew of Biden. He watched. He met Biden. He looked him in the eye in June and said, this guy is soft. He watched the pullout of Afghanistan. He watches all of that. Let me just be very clear about something at 132. All of that is true. However... It still never justifies he's invading another country. Period. End of story. All of these, yeah, buts. Yeah, but the French president is weak. True. Yeah, but Obama's weak. Uh, was weak. True. Yeah, but Biden's weak. True. Yeah, but Vice President Harris is weak. True. Still, look at what is going on. He is killing murdering innocent people. He wants to decimate the country, make an example out of the cities in Ukraine, and then turn to some of these other countries and say, do you want to be next? See, he understands, much like Hitler did, you have to know history. I know people don't like comparing the Hitler, but the, the military strategy of it. You set the example, make an example. Hitler took countries without firing a bullet. What are you going to do? They surround your country. Um, he would say to Finland and Sweden, you want a piece of this? Huh? You want to, as Hummel once said, you want to do this the easy way or the hard way? How are we going to handle this? This can go a couple different ways. Um, so thus, people that say, right, well, he doesn't have the military to... A lot of times, if you start to do this and then just threaten, 
then you don't have to then take action. All right, I want to play some sound. Again, I, I think some people if you have heard about it. Last night was not impressive. I'll go through all of it. As I said earlier, if you want to know the position we're in, uh, the fact that the fact that last night Gina Raimondo was the designated survivor in case there was an attack is um, is pretty is pretty is pretty telling of how far. We have fallen. Let's go to, this is interesting, in Ukraine, a brewery is switching from beer to Molotov cocktails. Folks, here's the thing. Listen, this is their Alamo. They're doing whatever they can. I'm not going to criticize these people. Men 18 to 60 can't leave. Picture yourself. What are you going to do? Would you lay down your weapon or would you fight? You know, on January 6th, a lot of people went to the Capitol and felt as patriots and fight for Trump. Well, you know, that was against some Capitol Guards. This is real life. Listen to this. Yeah, so we went there yesterday. This is the kind of place that you could imagine being in Brooklyn and filled with hipsters on the weekend. Uh, But now all of a sudden, this sort of Brooklyn hipster brewery is making Molotov cocktails out of the same bottles that they normally make their beer in. Now, they wouldn't show us where the uh, production is actually where they have a few dozen people making them day in and day out because obviously they want to keep it secret. They don't want it to be a potential target for the Russians. Uh, But what really struck me, though, is um, not just the fact that there's Molotov cocktails in beer bottles, but uh, the fact that these guys just a week ago were carrying on with their normal lives, uh, organizing parties, brewing beer, that kind of a thing. And what a difference a week makes. They're getting ready for war, and they didn't have a second thought about it. All of them told me that it's simply their duty to fight back, Brianna. I mean, think of that. I hope that puts that a little bit in perspective with what these people are going through. Last night, I saw I saw exactly what you saw. He did the best he could. That's that's who we have running the country right now. Our forces are not engaged and will not engage in the conflict with Russian forces in Ukraine. Our forces are not going to Europe to fight Ukraine, but to defend our NATO allies in the event that Putin decides to keep moving west. For that purpose, we have mobilized American ground forces, air squadrons, ship deployments to protect NATO countries, including Poland, Romania, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. And as I've made crystal clear, the United States and our allies will defend every inch of territory that is NATO territory with the full force of our All right, well, no, we're not going to fight Ukraine. I'm glad he cleared that up. I mean, if you haven't heard by now... There's obviously a lot of them. And this is one that, you know, continuous gets a lot of play where you have a president that misspeaks and says Iranian when he meant Ukrainian. Hold on. Here we go. The will of the Ukrainian people, to our fellow Ukrainian Americans who forged the deep bond that connects our two nations, we stand with you. We stand with you. Putin may circle Kiev with tanks. But he'll never gain the hearts and souls of the Iranian people. He'll never, he'll never extinguish their love of freedom. And he will never, never weaken the resolve of the free world. 
Well, he meant Ukrainian people. How difficult will it be to get him? I, I think pretty difficult. Folks, again, at 137, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. The complex that he has, his personal compound, Putin's Palace, cost $1.3 billion to build. He has people at his disposal. He can build bunkers. I, I don't, you know, I don't know. That was always a problem with Saddam Hussein. If you remember, um, Saddam Hussein, one of the problems was there would be, you know, six or seven or something homes where they would go to the home, just your home, your home, cooking dinner, watching, you doing whatever, reading the paper. Suddenly guards, military are at your door, boom, you're out. They send in a crew in. They would do that to six or seven homes in Iraq. And at the last moment, Saddam Hussein would enter one of those homes where he would sleep for the night. And they would always mix it up. So if you were trying to track him, you know, obviously American intelligence would like to have bombed where he was. But it can be tough. I, I have to think, you know, Putin has a maze of tunnels. He is well insulated. He's been building towards this. You know, they have to have underground tunnels from the Kremlin. Um, I'm sure they're bombproof. If you have the president of Ukraine is in a bunker, I'm sure Putin, I, I, I am willing to bet that that's a major problem they have, which is just trying to pinpoint where he is, locate him. So you can't just send a missile over or so forth. But this is also going to go on for a while. It is. And I think people are going to be surprised at how long this is going to go on. And the question it comes back to, I believe, is I, you know, last night or right now, you know, this whole convoy that is making their way. You just have to wonder, should they have taken out? that convoy as as they are refueling as they are gearing up as it's you know not going as smoothly as they thought um what did i think last night it, it was well and never mind i'm not uh, I, a lot of people listen the between the masks um uh, no masks and last night was just also, how about C-SPAN? Uh, you watch next time. You, you, you know, the whole open mic that they had, you could hear all those people talking as they're waiting for the address. And all right, let's hear. This is some more reaction on uh, President Biden's State of the Union. This is ABC. He is totally out of step with where Americans are. I want to start with both of you here and get your reaction to tonight's address. Do you feel that President Biden made a convincing case for his agenda? And Sarah, we'll start with you. This would have been a really normal run-of-the-mill State of the Union speech for a president who's at 52% approval, 60% approval, where the American people, a majority of them at least, feel like the country's on the right track. But it was totally out of step with reality for where most Americans are. The president is at a 37% approval rating, according to the latest ABC poll. Three-quarters of Americans feel like the country's on the wrong track. 
And yet, President Biden ticking through a laundry list, uh, largely either accomplishments or kind of small ball, frankly. And again, not really speaking to people where they are. The prices at the grocery store going up more in the last year than at any other time in their lives. Gas prices going up and expected to go up more because of what's going on in Ukraine. So I, I thought it was odd, a missed opportunity for a White House looking for a reset after a tough. Yeah, without question. That's very good analysis. I like her. Sarah Isger uh, of ABC News. Folks, and again, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, 142 on this Wednesday. How do I regard President Biden? I think last night, you know, I again, this is not a great analogy, but it's still an analogy. Not some are better than others. I go back to when I was um, when I was in college. I had a car that was an old car. And it had a lot of miles on it. And I was certainly not the first driver. And it reached the point where I suddenly realized that what it really was, was the car was fine as long as I was just like driving around the city. If I ever went above 55, 60 miles an hour, it it would actually, it would affect the vehicle. If I was just driving around Providence or driving, you know, Reservoir Avenue or anywhere just kind of local, it was totally fine. Biden to me is is a car that can't go above 40 miles an hour. And and you need someone that can drive fast right now. You need a car that can go 100 miles an hour. Zelensky can go 100, 100 miles an hour. He He can't go that fast and 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 there's no easy solution here um let's go to um and and this was a mistake this was a huge mistake he should have mentioned the 13th this is jen saki last night why didn't he mention the 13th service like the state of the union it's hugely important it doesn't touch on it doesn't have the time to touch on everything that is a priority that's a mistake that was a mistake that she said How long would that have taken? He should have mentioned the servicemen that lost their life in Afghanistan. This is one of the problems that they're in right now. Um, I want to go. She did an interview, uh, Jen Psaki, this morning. Uh, Biden was the vice president last time Russia invaded Ukraine. This seems to be... (laughs) A pattern. Let's play that. Department. The president was the vice president the last time Russia invaded Ukraine. This is a pattern of horror from this president, from President Putin, and from the cronies around him. Yeah. And what does that tell you? It means he sees green light. The vice president was making the rounds. She stops at the Today Show live. Asked. If Biden will sanction Royals, Russia's oil and gas industry. Here we go. Is that something that the administration would continue, would consider in terms of further sanctions, cutting off the oil and gas uh, part of the economy for Russia? Well, as you know, on this issue, for example, we applaud Germany in terms of what it has done as it relates to Nord Stream 2, as it relates to what we need to do domestically as well as as what we need to do in terms of this issue generally. We have, as the president said, uh, reevaluated what we're doing in terms of the strategic oil reserve here in the United States to make sure that it will not have an impact or we can mitigate the impact on the American consumer. Uh, But let's 
let's take this one step at a time, understanding that right now on the issue of energy, our allies have stood firm and unified in a way that many of the pundits didn't predict would happen um, to ensure that we are we are unified in our approach to this. You know, I um I understand people saying, you know, this all and, and, and it's a consistent theme. You know, we need to be energy uh, independent and a big problem. And, and, and I agree with all of that, by the way. Um, but he, he, Putin finds ways around it. He finds ways around it. Uh, we're, we're not, here's something, we're not, we're not funding this. I, I think that's, that's, I just don't agree with that. Um, that, that somehow we're to blame because if we weren't doing that, like we're, I, I, come on, I don't, I just don't believe that. I see no evidence of that. Let me say that. Um, I, it certainly isn't helping, but prior to this, you know, people, a lot of people were saying he wasn't going to invade. And so we, we were a customer. Then, then of course, absolutely 100% then that should end. Let's go to Andrea Mitchell talking about, excuse me, Biden at the very end. Here we have it. A strange moment at the end where he said, go get him. That was audible to the audience. And we're not quite sure what he means. I think he's talking about Vladimir Putin and the bad guys over there. But it was an ad lib that kind of. Yeah, normally his books are much less. And that was. Well, when you have someone, uh, he, he, you know, when they have on the teleprompter. And he's still making mistakes. I just, I don't know where you go with that. Um, there's only so much you can do. They got him ready. It was kind of funny. Let's go to um, ABC News did a focus group afterwards. I agree with this, by the way. He's lecturing us about the border. The left and the progressives hated that, by the way. Let me uh, play some of this talk about immigration. I cover a lot on the border. I'm from the border, and so are you. So were you surprised to hear him touch on this, and was it enough? I was very surprised, actually. Um, I don't believe it's enough. For a president with administration that allowed 2 million illegal immigrants uh, caught by DHS last year alone, most American history, by the way, it is kind of weird to see him lecturing us about how he's going to keep, keep the border secure. With the cartel increasing in human trafficking and sex trafficking, I like that he covered it, but I would like to see results, which he has not shown yet. He didn't give you a, a plan. Nothing was said no, just yet. No, ma'am. No plan, no details. No. I, I was, I can't believe they even threw that in. Other than, folks, that, that, you know, a lot of this is just through polling. And what do I mean by that is, you know, they're polling the public. And one thing they're even finding from from independence are people are concerned about all the people coming over the border again at 149 good afternoon you're listening to the john DePietro show on am 1380 and 99.9 fm the atlantic's peter weiner this is a wounded presidency let's play that maybe right here we go where i would fault the speech is i think after that uh, it really lost altitude and i think to me it was the problem with joe biden 
Biden, one of the problems with Joe Biden, which is he has a legislator's mindset. This was just a litany of things. And, you know, Jonathan may be right. The beginning, the bookends of the speech may have been good, but I'm not sure how many people hung around and were focused at, um, at, at, the, uh, at the end. The other thing I'd say is if I were a Democrat, I'd be somewhat concerned because this, as we discussed at the beginning, could have been a course correction. For, for his presidency, because this is a wounded presidency, and I don't think that that was it. This was not a kind of Bill Clinton, the era of big government has ended. This was more Joe Biden saying, we've achieved a lot, and I should get better credit than, than I have. So the good things that were in the speech, the bipartisan parts, even the moving parts with with, with Bo Biden, I think just got buried under a whole litany of things. That He's not up to it. He's just not. I could keep playing more folks right now. Um... So what's what's going to happen? Well, I don't. He's not going to improve. If anything, it's going to get worse. It would be interesting. I mean, is it possible at one fifty on this Wednesday? Could he go so low that he actually thinks of resigning, or they say that he's not capable of doing it? And then what? Harris becomes the president. <sighs> so what do we do about it? Well. Let's focus on the good news. The good news is in the midterm elections, the Republicans are certainly expected to take the House and the Senate. Right now, Nancy Pelosi controls the House, and then they try to cram things through in the Senate, but they're not getting that done. So the good news is a lot of people are starting to look at the Democrat Party. And they're saying they are the party of defund the police. They are the party of open borders. They are the party of inflation. They are the party of being feckless, of being indecisive. And then obviously we have a national security problem. So now the bad news is I I, I don't see anything that that can be done about this. Um, Certainly not short term. This does not bode well for the midterm elections. So, you know, one step at a time. In November, I believe the Republicans will take over the House and the Senate unless something catastrophic happens. So now you get into 2023. Now, he has low approval ratings and the Republicans control the House and the Senate. And You know, I would think that Joe Manchin would play a big role. And maybe maybe Biden is so desperate that he just allows. That's what Bill Clinton did. Bill Clinton pivoted to the center and started to become a deal maker and, you know, decided he needed to work with the Republicans to get things done. Now, the only problem, as as you know, and I'm not breaking any news here, is what exactly is going to be. The situation on the other side of the world. I mean, this is happening very rapidly right now. And I recognize some people. What is that after? There are some people that are questioning why we are doing this, why we need to do this. We have obligations. And I, I agree. It is not. Boy, that last night was a swing and a miss. In a big, big way. Huge way. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by End Zone Sports Pub. Stop it and see Dana and Company, 960 Menden Road in Cumberland. Just remember that uh, they will obviously, hey, you have PC basketball in the Big East. 
You have uh, March Madness. Great, great place. Watch your favorite sports team, whether it's the Celtics or the Friars or the Bruins. In clean, friendly place. Karaoke Friday, Saturday nights. You're going to love it at End Zone Sports Pub. So, folks, we have to deal in reality. And again, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Uh, I think it is interesting with those crying Russian soldiers. And I think a lot of people, they still don't fully get that human life means nothing to him. And I thought it was also interesting. Ted Cruz this morning was starting to, and I won't fully take credit, but, you know, he just, he, he, will, he will never show weakness. Putin refuses to show weakness. So people that say maybe there'll be a ceasefire, maybe there'll be, you don't, he's in a war. He wants to win this war. He's not going to lose a war to Ukraine in his mind. He refuses. It's taking longer than he thought. It's not going to lose. He, in his mind, I'm not. This does not end until they're flying the Russian flag in Ukraine and above the Ukraine capital. Wall Street Journal. Biden misses the moment in his State of the Union address. He had supportive words for Ukraine against Russia. But he offered no domestic or defense policy reset. That's what happened. As Donna Perry said, he does. He seems more. He thinks he's more like the president of the university as the president of the country. He missed the moment last night. He did. The president remained on the same policy course of his first year. Eh, maybe dressed up new anti-inflation packaging, but more defense spending to meet the threats from autocrats. No. New appreciation for the contribution of fossil fuels to America, European security, not a word. Nope. A note that government spending contributed to the highest inflation in 40 years? No. Word of praise for the private farmer innovation that developed COVID therapies, vaccines? He proposed government price controls instead. Biden did not offer stirring support for Ukraine and its fight for freedom which received bipartisan applause. His administration deserves credit for helping to rally Europe and other nations. He was properly condemning a Mr. Putin. Now, again, this is Wall Street Journal editorial. But the self-congratulations, ignoring the failure to deter the Russian autocrat. We were ready, he invaded. Uh, if Mr. Putin invaded, Biden said. But if the U.S. had really been ready, Putin would have invaded. The Russian invaded because he thought the West would do little. Putin finds himself in a struggle now because the bravery of 41 million Ukrainians, not the strength of Europe or the United States. What we also didn't hear was a vow that Russia will not be allowed to conquer and hold Ukraine. There was no warning to Putin not to launch missiles into residential neighborhoods or surround starved cities in a submission. Like a medieval siege. This was not a Harry Truman at the dawn of the Cold War. On his domestic agenda, Biden acknowledged inflation as he had to give in the polls. But he blamed rising prices on the pandemic and greedy businesses. And his solutions are to unleash prosecutors and antitrust cops. So the worldly line was a program would cut energy costs for families an average of 500 a year. Combating climate change. Ugh. The entire point of the climate agenda is to raise the price of energy for Americans by reducing the supply. His regulators are working to do that every day and in every way. 
as if the horror of last week, which exposed the folly of Europe's dependency on Russian oil and gas, had never happened. Climate left still has a chokehold on this presidency in anxious worlds looking for American leadership in a dangerous new era. But instead, Biden offered a rehash of his first year domestic agenda. It's dispiriting that a White House facing so many daunting challenges could come up with so little. The president really does need to fire some people and get better advice, and they're being kind. The only thing that is kind of comical is Governor McKee is following him in lockstep. Governor McKee is under the impression that he is going to get elected and win the primary by following the Biden agenda, and it's not happening. And we're going to wait and see what's going to happen in that Democrat primary coming up in September. Now we're now we're into March, April, May, June, July, August. Six months from now is the Democrat primary. All right, folks, it's one fifty-eight. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM thirteen eighty and ninety-nine point nine FM. Now it's nice out. It's sunny out. The weather this week it, it looks dry. It looks enjoyable. Look at that temperature, 46 degrees. Uh, Tomorrow, same thing. Friday still looks nice. So a lot of the snow is melting. You know, you still want to stay healthy, though. Make sure you stop in and see our friend Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. It's Marie and It's My Health because, remember, it's your health. Diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant, hemp and CBD products, and you're going to love her selection of tea at It's My Health. Well, folks, it's 159. Uh, coming up, you're going to hear the 2 o'clock news, and then it'll be the John Beyond program. Just a reminder, if you'd like to reach me, the easiest way is to go to my website, tepetro.com. Next Monday, this broadcast will be coming to you from the border of Ukraine. Very exciting. All right, stand by for the 2 o'clock news and then the John Dion program. We're back on the radio tomorrow at 11. I will be doing Facebook Live later on tonight. Stand by for the 2 o'clock news.